0: All right, we'll go ahead and get it started on the uh, Sooners Extra Twitter Space slash podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'm Ryan Aber, joined here by uh, Justin Martinez and, and Jenny Carlson. Uh, today we got to hear from Brent Venables uh, for the first time since the post game press conference after uh, the Sooners 52 to 42 win over Kansas a couple weeks ago. The oh you uh coming off the bye heading to Iowa State this week and uh Jenny uh Iowa State this is an interesting matchup because Iowa State even though they're winless in uh, the Big 12 all they do it seems like is play close games and uh you know you would anticipate Saturday's game being yet another one of those
1: Absolutely, you know they've they've uh, what lost four games by a combined fourteen points. I mean, yeah, they're uh, they're in the close game uh, world where OU lived last year, except it's uh, the opposite result where OU won a ton of those games last year. Iowa State can't seem to get on the right side of them. You know, they they've definitely got a defense that gives them a chance every time they step on the field. Um, may not be the best defense in the Big 12, but I think it definitely has a strong argument to be. And, uh, you know, their offense has not been great, but showed some signs of life here the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I think anytime you go to Ames, it's a tough test. Brent referenced the fact that, you know, the atmosphere in Ames is one of the best. People get there early, they tailgate, they pack the place. Um, it's not maybe renowned as a, a tough place to play, but um, it, it definitely has a, you know, real a uh, strong vibe. And so it's going to be a tough test, I think, for the Sooners. You know, they, they need to take advantage of the bye week, uh, use it to their advantage and the rest and the recovery and some of the uh, self-evaluation I'm sure we'll talk about. But, um, you know, they need to pick up that momentum where they left it a, a couple weeks ago against Kansas.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Jenny talks about the, uh, the Iowa State defense. Just a, a couple of quick... Uh, A little bit of quick rundown on them: allowed just fifteen, a little over fifteen points per game. Uh, That's uh, tied for sixth nationally. They're in the top ten in first downs allowed per game. Uh, Fifteenth in rushing yards allowed uh, per game at one hundred and five point three. Let's see, sixteenth in passing yards allowed per game, just two hundred and or one hundred and eighty four. Uh, 0.4, and then in total defense, they've allowed uh, ho- holding op- holding opponents to less than 290 yards per game. Uh, that is 10th uh, nationally, so a really uh, tough uh, defense. And th- Justin, that's sort of what we've come to expect out of Iowa State under Matt Campbell. They were, uh, you know, the one of the first ones to to try this, uh, you know, rush three drop eight sort of umbrella. Uh, look OU has tried it at times uh, to to various uh, levels of success uh, this season but uh, we heard Brent Venables uh, talk today about just the admiration that he has for not only that defense and how successful it's been but the way that it's come about for the Cyclones
2: yeah you know we also even heard Jeff Levy and Ted Roof talked about it the day before as well. I mean, it's, it's a group that has a lot of belief, a lot of discipline, um, Was has been grown very organically, like you mentioned, just buying into the system there. And also another thing is it's a really experienced group as well. I mean, Will McDonald, the fourth, is a guy who's a redshirt senior defensive end, leads them in sacks. Kobe Reeder, redshirt senior linebacker, leads them in interceptions. Um, Anthony Johnson leads them in uh, broken up passes, a cornerback there also a registered senior. So it's a really experienced group that has had years to really buy into this system. And, you know, you're seeing the effects of it this season. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and they have been uh, really good. Obviously they've lost some tight games, lost lost a seven point game to Baylor by three to Kansas and one to Kansas state three to, to Texas. Um, you know, over these last three games, just allowed. Uh, let's see, what is it? Uh, I guess uh, 41 total points, but just lost by a combined seven uh, points. Uh, but Jenny, let's let's go back to this OU team and and focus in a little bit uh, on on them and and what's happened with them, irrespective of, of uh, the opponent this weekend. You talked about the self evaluation thing. Um, when when you look at uh, this this team, what what is the area that you feel like is maybe uh, best equipped to make a little bit of a jump uh, or make a, show some improvement uh, coming out of uh, the bye week? And uh, you know what's an area that maybe you're you're uh, as concerned about as ever. Uh, uh uh coming out of this bye week as well.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I think uh maybe the secondary, uh, especially if the the off week could potentially have gotten Billy Bowman closer to returning. He was playing, you know, fantastically for the Sooners before he gets hurt at TCU and we haven't seen him since. Uh I think that's caused a lot of um a lot of, you know, moving around and trying to figure out who steps in uh, without him out there. So if, if he could return to health and, and return to the field for OU, I think that would be a huge. doesn't sort of fit into the self-evaluation, though. I think that that's the, the, the self-evaluation, as I think about the off week, I'd probably lean a little bit more towards what's go- what are we going to see at linebacker? Because we started to see some younger guys uh, in, the, in the weeks uh, leading up to the bye that we'd been told at one point we're, we're likely to redshirt. We're just not ready to play. And, you know, to see those guys get snaps and then get more snaps, and, you know, then you wonder what has been happening in regards to that because that's such an area of, you know, just lack of numbers and, and not really having much depth there and then not getting great play out of the, the people that you did have out there. That's an area where I'm really interested to see if they can make if they can make a turn, if there's going to be some young guys that get a chance to play, how much do they get a chance to play? You know, how prepared are they? How much help did the bye week and some of these things help them? Uh, I think that could be an area that really sees a benefit from um, from the off week. As far as who might not benefit, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think there's a lot of questions about the defensive line. You know, I just I still scratch my head a little bit that an area that when you look at them individually you think that group has some talent there but you just don't see the results and i don't i don't know i don't know if a if a week of evaluation can show them what they need to do i wouldn't i don't know why really talented players couldn't you know have turned that corner already but that's one that i'm i'm still sort of scratching my head about and, and maybe they'll have some answers i don't know but that's one that just seems it just has seemed odd all year to me
0: Yeah, a couple things on on some stuff that uh, you said there, Jenny. Uh, First of all, we got a chance to talk to some players after Monday's practice. And uh, when we went in there, Billy Bowman was doing some some extra work afterwards, seemed to be moving around all right, did have a brace on his uh, right leg. So he's at least uh, returned to practice and, and doing at least some work. Uh, out there Brent Venables did give an update on him today he said that he expected him back before too long but uh, stayed away from committing to him returning on Saturday but Brent Venables a lot of the time is is really vague when it comes to timelines as far as injuries and then uh you know you talk about the defensive line Jenny and uh, uh a guy that I I think's got a chance to see his role grow more and more here down the stretch, and I I touched on it today in the story I wrote, but is R. Mason Thomas, the the freshman. He was uh, in that defensive end rotation right off the bat. He was a guy who was committed to Iowa State for quite a while before flipping uh, on signing day Uh, there in February. It was one of the first offers that Miguel Chavis made when he uh, arrived in Norman. And uh, Thomas was a guy who was really impressive uh, early, just the fact that he was able to break through that rotation uh, so quickly, got hurt uh, pretty early in that second game of the season. He's been working his way back. I I think he's a guy who could really benefit from the bye week and uh, have a chance to uh, see his role grow more and more. But I am looking forward to see that linebacker group, as, as you mentioned there, uh you know, seeing if we see Kip Lewis and, and Kobe McKenzie and Jaron Connect more, you know, I asked Ted Roof about some of those uh, young players, and he brought up uh, Jaron Kinnick's name really quickly. And, and he's a guy I know Sooners fans who are you know, sort of salivating to see more and more of him. We've seen his ability on the field just to be instinctive and make plays. Now there's been some inconsistency and sometimes some, over aggressiveness, just uh, things that you see out of freshmen, but I, I think, especially given how new new he is uh, to the linebacker group, he could be a guy who uh, uh, sees his role uh, grow quite quite a bit more here down the stretch.
1: The mere mention of his name will make a lot of Sooner fans set up straighter in their chairs. That's that's uh, the fact that Ted Roof would 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 bring him up. I think is uh, got to have some fans excited now. How's he going to play? Is he going to play any better than the guys that have been in there? That remains to be seen. But I think at this point, uh, you know, obviously there's still there's still games to be played and and things to be played for uh, making a bowl and those sorts of things. Um, So you don't want to you don't want to totally, you know, be looking ahead to everything being future driven at this point in terms of next season, two seasons from now But he did make a lot of plays in Nebraska. He has shown some capability. We know now Nebraska, not great, you know, would probably be last in the Big 12 if they were a Big 12 team. So we understand that. But still, I think the chance to sort of find a blend between, uh, you know, the guys that you might not have around as long and some of these new guys and just see what you get out of them, you know, and maybe that maybe that does cost you a game or a touchdown or who knows what. I mean, but I think that some people are sort of willing to have a little bit more gray area now that the Sooners with their three losses are, uh, you know, safely out of the the college football playoff hunt and and the big 12 title game hunt as well.
0: Yeah. uh, Justin, what about you? We've talked about several of these young players. uh, And if there's anybody who's not necessarily a freshman, you know, throw them out there as well. But, who are some of the, the guys that you you think their role could expand here uh, coming out of the bye week heading into this uh, last stretch?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely guys like our Mason Thomas should be at the top of the list, Kip Lewis as well, just because of the need. I mean, Robert Spears Jennings is another guy um, in the secondary that I think is, is really starting to to gain some traction in, in terms of carving out a role, uh, another freshman for them there. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think at, at a certain point, you know, you do start to kind of bridge the gap there between the present and, and the future, and you start to give some of these younger guys more reps because, like you guys said, I mean, there's, they're not competing for a spot in the college football playoffs. I mean, yes, it's they're still competing for a bowl game, and everyone's going to count in terms of trying to get there. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to start to kind of look towards developing these young guys a little bit more, especially if we're not seeing the experienced guys, some of the, the veterans, play as well. I mean, what harm is it to to give them some more reps? So, I mean, yeah, I think those are a few guys that they are at the top of the list in terms of, um, you know, giving them some more chances. And it seems like they've earned it in practice as well, just by the way the coaches are talking.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, one thing we heard about uh, Spears Jennings in particular was that the the way that his his attitude has shifted and that uh, some of the strides that he's made have really forced him Uh, to get that chance this year where early in the season it was sort of out of the question based on what they saw from him on the field. But certainly uh, there's been a a light switch flipped on with him and uh, they they really like what they've seen out of him so far. And I know Ted Roof seemed really excited uh, talking about him after the Kansas game and and his potential uh, for, for growth. And certainly we heard similar things from Ted Roof this week and also from Brent Venables about uh, Robert Spears Jennings uh, ability to contribute uh, Jenny when we talk about though the the, 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 the OU secondary and, and they're sort of at times especially with Billy Bowman and with Damon Harmon and with the you know some of the other injuries that they've had the depth has really taken a hit there It was a little curious to see one of their defensive backs move to the offensive side of the ball uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, DJ Graham's move uh, to, to wide receiver. How surprised were you at that? And do you expect to see DJ Graham contribute in that role this season and also just moving forward with this team?
1: It is a bit of a head-scratcher just from for the reason that you pointed out in the, in terms of that secondary needing, you know, as many hands on deck as, as possible. And, you know, maybe he hasn't um, had sort of the breakout year that I think some, maybe some of us were thinking he might have after showing some, you know, pretty good flashes a year ago. Um, he hasn't really had just that outstanding stretch of, you know, back-to-back-to-back series or games even so that's it's, it's been um I'm sure it's been hard for him in that regard too but yeah the fact that you know when you think about position groups that could use a little extra help it's not you know sooner receiver core is definitely not one that I would you know click to pretty you know very fast you know not to say could they use a few extra sure of course but you know you've got Marvin Mims and Drake Stoops and you know, obviously, Braden Willis has been fantastic in the in the past game. And, uh, you know, a young guy like Gavin Freeman and some of the younger wide receivers that we've started to see thrown in there from time to time as well. They've got, you know, they've got reliable, they've got young, they've got talent. I mean, they've kind of got uh, they've kind of got a, a, you know, a cross section of what you want out of a position group. So in that regard, it is a little surprising. Um, I thought what Brent said today about, you know, um, conversations with uh, DJ and his, his dad that, uh, you know, when he was recruited, he was recruited as an athlete, and it sounds like the previous uh, coaching staff uh, wanted him to be on defense, which, again, because of the situation, I would understand that. But, you know, now trying offense, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm curious what you guys think. I don't think he'll have a huge impact right away, but, I mean, I don't know. It just It just feels like he's walking into a position group that's already got some pretty well-established guys there.
0: Yeah, I think for me and, and Justin, I'll let you chime in on this as well. But for me, I think it's going to be really hard to see him carving too much of a rollout this season. Uh, you know, their their receiver group is is pretty well set, especially at the top with Marvin Mims and and Theo Weiss and Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops up there. They each have their their roles and what they're they're best at. And then even beyond that, with uh, some freshmen, you know, you wonder if, you know, Jaden Gibson gets a little bit more of a chance here in the back end of the season. We haven't seen Nick Anderson make a catch yet, and then also a guy like uh, LV Bunkley-Shelton, a transfer. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's going to be really hard for him to find his way on the field. I I wonder what his long term future is for the pro- in the program. Is it? Is this a, a way to sort of set himself up to move on and play somewhere else at wide receiver? Uh, in the future, he was a great wide receiver at Keller Central High School down in Fort Worth. Uh, what, at, uh, over 2,000 yards, career receiving, 17 touchdowns. Uh, it was it was a really good one there. And we all know about the, the athleticism that he showed with a catch. But to see him make that move, a week after making his first start of the season at cornerback. He started uh, at cornerback against Texas after uh, Woody Washington shifted back to safety. But uh, it's just going to be hard for me to anticipate him playing much of a role offensively this year. And he's got to get another number if he's going to do it, because number nine is already taken by a guy who's not going to leave the field very often for the Sooners offensively. And that's Braden Willis. Uh, What do you think there, Justin?
2: Yeah, I think you guys hit a lot on the major points there. The talent is there, you know. Like you said, we saw the hands that he displayed in that, that catch against Nebraska. He was ranked as number sixty-six wide receiver in the nation by ESPN first class. So I mean, the the talent is there for sure. But you know, it goes kind of it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, though. Is you're starting to move towards that trend of maybe giving some of these younger guys some more reps. You know, guys like like you mentioned, Gavin Freeman, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson. And so that makes it even more difficult to try to find more opportunities for for DJ to come in there at that position. So, yeah, it's it's a tough situation to see that. I mean, clearly, like we said, talent is there for him to be able to do something. But it's it's really one of the more, well, I guess, well-rounded and more balanced positions, wide receiver position for for OU. So it's it's gonna be tough for him to be able to to carve out a role there for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really do think it will. So that'll be something that's going to be interesting to watch here down the stretch to see if DJ Graham uh, plays much offensively or if he winds up being just a basically a special teams player uh, for the rest of the season. So we'll see uh, how, how that plays out. Um, I think we're going to... Uh, get close to wrapping it up here this time. i got going uh, to head down to uh, Norman to uh, uh, take my daughter to a class here momentarily, but uh, we want to wrap it up with, with picks. Uh, Jenny, you're not going to be there uh, on Saturday. You're going to be up in Manhattan, Kansas, I believe for uh, Oklahoma state, Kansas state. Very correct. We'll be, uh, be with us in Ames, but what do you got in this one?
1: Well, I'm going to go with OU. Um, this was a tough one. I picked them, I think, 31-27, 31-28, something like that. 31-28. Um, all right, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, my the reason I'm going OU, I, I do think that Iowa State's defense is going to challenge Oklahoma's offense. Liked a lot of what I saw to them uh, in that Kansas game. Know that the challenge is going to be higher against the Cyclones. But that Iowa State offense, I mean, I I know that Oklahoma's had its struggles, obviously, gave up a lot of points uh, to K State, to TCU, to Texas. And yet we've seen that, you know, K State and, and TCU can they can score some points um, when they have all their their starters in there. Um, Texas can can score some points. Iowa State, you know, they've sort of been hit and miss on their offense. So I'm giving OU a slight advantage, but Man, I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game. To me, this is how all the Big 12 games are this year, guys. It's close games, very few blowouts. So I always feel good picking a close game. Um, I I just, I like, I like that the, the Sooners have the momentum of that Kansas game and the off week. I, I like the way it's building for them heading into this week.
0: What about you, Justin? What do you got uh,
2: Saturday uh, up in Ames? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with OU as well. Also, a very close one, as most of the games in the conference are, like Jenny mentioned. I'm, I'll say 28 to 27, uh, maybe a late drive by the Sooners to to come out on top. I mean, it's it's going to be a struggle for the offense because, like we said, Iowa State's defense is something they take pride in. But, yeah, I mean, the, the best group in the game is going to be OU's offense. I don't trust Iowa State's offense as much. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Sooners. I think it's going to be a grinded-out type of game. But I, I saw enough, or more than enough, out of OU's offense, at least, in the game against Kansas, to where it seems like they're getting back to being able to put up points on the board with Dylan Gabriel back in the mix. So I'll go with OU in this one by, by a point. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know
0: pretty, pretty solid by both of you. I think, to me, I do disagree with one thing you said there, Justin. I, I think, to me, Iowa State's defense is the best unit that's going to be on the field On Saturday, but Oklahoma's offense is really good. I think it's going to be strength versus strength, weakness versus weakness. You know, with I say that is really, really good when Dylan Gabriel's playing. But to me, the OU's ability to run the football the last few weeks with with Eric Gray, with Javante Barnes, with the offensive line that's been steadily improving there. I think that to me is what makes the difference in this game. And on the other side, Iowa State doesn't look like it's in position to take advantage of some of the Sooners' uh, defensive struggles, especially when it comes to uh, stopping the run there. They've averaged, uh, I think, 61 yards uh, per game during this four-game losing streak on the ground, only rushed for 26 yards against uh, Kansas. Um, You know, they've only... They haven't rushed for more than 176 in a game this year, more than 163 against an FBS opponent. I think to me, the, the, the fact that Iowa State's offense is just sort of punchless right now really sets up good for, for the Sooners. And, and not that I anticipate some miraculous defensive performance from OU and, and shutting them down. I think Iowa State's going to find a way to put up some points on the board. Uh, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think in the end OU comes out with it uh, 28 to 24 to uh, move yet another step closer to securing bowl eligibility and uh, you know, keeping some of that momentum going from the struggles that they had uh, early in the season. So we'll see what happens up there in Ames on Saturdays though. Should be a good one. Always a fun atmosphere up at uh, up there at Jack Trice stadium. So, uh, we'll we'll be there I will be there, Justin will be there Barry Trammell will be there, Jenny once again will be in uh, Manhattan for Oklahoma State, Kansas State but uh, you can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere thank you so much for joining us